0: Welcome to the Meltzone podcast from April 16th, 2019. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's
1: episode, we are going to talk about, well, our experience uh, of the car episode, podcast episode that we recorded back from Merv on other projects tom has been buying new gear for his live streams which is he's really proud of um i've been doing some silicone casting for diy my own hot end socks uh where i gonna talk about a little bit what resins or what silicones i use and how i well performed the mold making
0: yeah exciting stuff in the news segment this week um more filmmaking gear, I just enjoy this stuff, I, I think it's, it's it's great to see what's happening. Resolve 16, uh, recommendation for you guys, should you be using that to edit your videos as well. Um, we talk about the World of Tanks DMCA takedown that happened on Thingiverse just this week, and kind of going further on the topic on copyright, um, On a quick update on the European copyright Reform and trying to, to to take a positive note on it because I mean it's out of our hands anyways at this point. And lastly, one one quick news topic is MakerBot now has a Red Dot Award. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: on the well, in the topic of the week, uh, we are talking about how much material tuning or how little material tuning we actually do for our three D prints. Um, and at last. Ah, we will uh, yeah, talk about where the fr- funky smell at Murph came from. The funky burn smell. All right. Ah, Stefan, how are you holding up from Murph?
0: Fully recovered yet?
1: F- fully recovered yet. Nuts uh, well, didn't actually get sick. So hygienic fist bumps was really the best thing uh, to do, I guess. Because I kind of heard that a couple of people really got... Sick after Merv, like shaking hundreds of hands. So yeah. I'm I'm doing I'm I'm doing really well. Um, so I've been w- back working just the day after we got back, um, from from the US, and I thought this week, uh, that week would be horrible, but I was holding up quite
0: well. So I'm I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm actually doing fantastic too. Um, I, I I'm looking for the comment on YouTube right now where uh someone was commenting hey it was weird giving fist bumps but that guy came back with a cold (laughs) i didn't so yeah for everyone saying it was strange to uh, to not do handshakes well there's a reason for that and it's for me it's definitely paid off i'm hoping for you guys as well who are listening and and maybe met me at murph uh, or stefan um because we didn't spread germs to you and didn't get you sick either so it's a win-win
1: i am i have to be totally honest i felt kind of bad because i always see it like a um how you say like showing sympathy uh when 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 um, shaking hands uh but yeah as you just said it it paid out and uh being sick after such a uh, trip for two weeks is just horrible and You've actually been doing a video marathon after we got back from oh, Earth, yeah. and that would not have been possible if you would uh, have been lying in bed.
0: Yeah, well, I usually I don't get that sick where I actually lay in bed, I usually drag myself up and, and do stuff, but yeah, um, because you get bored is...
1: in bed probably. And this is
0: <laughs> so yeah. just
1: lie, lying on the sofa or lying in bed, I can do that for a day, but after a day, I, I just need to do something, yeah,
0: yeah totally. Yeah, the The upload marathon has been uh, people seem to be liking the coverage. Um and it's I, I always try to give that feeling of okay, what is yeah. it actually like to be there? Especially with stuff like mm. the walk around and the compilations of hey, these are printer projects and printed projects. Um it was yeah. just horribly
1: um professionally made. The interviews were were fluent, the content was interesting, Uh, Mm. pictures, audio, everything was great. So I I really enjoyed uh, watching your coverage there and hopefully uh, also some of the viewers and listeners who haven't been there just get an impression how it was.
0: Well, thank you. Um well people were commenting <laughs> that there was, there was uh, that was that I was being a dick to Prussia. Um <laughs> He was kind of hung over that morning, uh, wasn't Prusia, he? Prusia is always hung over at, <laughs> at the, like day two of, of events like that. Um But I mean he, he does travel a lot. Um no. and I mean I've, I've met him enough times now that you know you can joke with him and then it, it comes a, be, between us it comes across as you know a joke and not as being just an asshole yeah i I guess he understands it yeah totally um and i i think you can see from from my tone in the other interviews that i i can be very um (sighs) very outspoken with prush and just like the hey you know your bed's rust by the way (laughs) that's how that's how you get the the good uh, the the actual substantial info out of out of people right Uh, yeah and even though they they have sponsored the trip like i don't i don't do favors. I don't, I don't I don't go easy on them just for sponsoring uh, stuff. That's that's yeah. not. That was part of the deal and it, it never will be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and he seems to be fine with that. So Yeah, yeah, Bruce <laughs> is a tough guy. He'd, yeah. Um,
0: so so how many
1: yeah. how many videos have you actually been releasing? It
0: has it's almost been like 10. No, no, I think it was seven total if you count the one from um, that uploaded Sunday no. morning from the event. So the walk around no. uh, that was edited and well shot and edited on site, um, exported on laptop. The laptop has actually been. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you, little guy. You've been you've been holding up well. Um, yeah, so that that's number one, and then I think six edited videos of just bests off and interviews and stuff. So nice. I think more than I've ever published from any event.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, as, and as I just said, um I haven't been releasing anything because I would just have felt bad <laughs> in comparison to you. So oh, I thought, you... okay, s- stick to your normal content. That's gonna be fine. You're gonna be okay with that. But comparing with Tom,
0: nah. You well, know, here, here's the question: Do you actually want to release stuff from Earth? Because I mean, we, we, we can. We just switch sides on the camera. You've been helping me out uh, filming some <sighs> stuff. Um, we switch sides and. and you get the exact same result out of out of the setup well the if, thing if with do that.
1: with me uh i am not that used in front of the camera and uh, also doing interviews in a way like you did it um i think i wouldn't be the proper guy to ask the proper questions to get really the um, well um th- th- to you're too just nice of a guy break. i'm that... too nice of a guy yeah maybe maybe that and uh, just sometimes the questions i might might ask are not the, the proper ones for it. whatever um i mean so I, I, I do
0: have my my list of questions pretty much yes. written out beforehand and people were, were calling me out for hey wh- why are you playing around on your phone no it's it's like a notebook for me it is literally no. my notebook
1: no. <laughs> so um to answer your question um I'm not totally keen on releasing something because uh, this is not just this is just not the content I'm good in making. So um, I think it's better if you or Joel or whoever is doing that who's really good in bringing all the point, and I just focus on the things I'm good at using my right. test, test machine. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. If, if you go into events like this with the expectation yeah. of not really bringing mm. home seven videos to publish, then it, it's a bit more relaxing, I guess, yeah. and a bit more you know. Enjoyable. Well,
1: totally. You have been busy all Saturday and Sunday just finding slots where you can shoot videos and yeah. like shooting each of the interviews with preparation. Every, everything was maybe like an hour forty-five minutes of work at least. Just being at Merv and this uh, is is already taking like. Uh, up half of the time you've been there
0: yeah uh, i mean it's it's a work trip right for me yeah. um so i i, I do expect <laughs> to work there yeah. as well um but yeah it's a it's a mad rush but i i do i i feel like i actually work pretty well under stress under just uh that that deadline of okay you have five more hours Wait, well, that, that, that was that was all sunday basically you have yeah. five more hours and then people are going to start packing up yeah. um i i do get stuff done Under those conditions yeah
1: yeah and well since you have been sponsored you kind of were expected to release something and this would be the thing where i would really question myself do i want to get sponsored and then have the need to release something to just say this trip has been sponsored by whoever uh and this way it was just more relaxing because uh i got back home i have been taking a look at at the footage i took there but i thought yeah why bother um Just focus on the stuff you're good at and other people Uh, will do better coverage.
0: For me, it was like, okay, you're going there, you are going to shoot stuff, you are going to publish stuff. Um, So like that, that was a given. Um, It's of course nice. uh, We we talked about this with sponsors like Skillshare or uh, Squarespace or all of those, um, when they want a video done like... First week of March or something, uh, <laughs> you get the video done first week of March. That that is that is kind of a nice push to to actually get you get the stuff out the door and not to to procrastinate or, or to like mm. over polish stuff. But yeah, it's I mean I I published more than than I expected and more than than was actually part of the the sponsorship deal. But hey, yep, kudos for that. <laughs> yeah, and we we also we also recorded the last episode in the car and i mean i wasn't really happy with the audio quality and i think we can improve but apparently (laughs) listeners were happy yeah i think the
1: background was also pretty nice um we didn't show that much of the road but um it it was a nice documentation of that road trip even though it was (laughs) just three hours um yeah as you said you can hear lots of the noises uh next time maybe we should get like a really big suv <laughs> which, Just which does a little bit better on the, on the on the bump on the bumpy roads but um, i mean we did
0: have the full-size car the hyundai yeah. sonata yeah. yeah i don't know how that qualifies as full-size but...
1: but it still wasn't like that big american no. ship you usually see on yeah. US highways. Especially,
0: especially on midwest roads yeah. And that there were potholes that i was mm. genuinely scared of i mean you could have sunk an entire higher into that yeah
1: well our but setup
0: yeah. was also pretty janky because we we've,
1: <laughs> we've just been wedging the camera <laughs> between the wheel, windshield and the and the
0: dashboard yeah. and yeah. that was holding up pretty well Man, that, even that, that, that actually worked perfectly i mean you, you can see a bit of shakiness but pff, yeah, yeah it was fine yeah let's let's do it again next year and uh, learn from from what yeah. didn't work out so well
1: yeah so i have been enjoying it a lot and i hope i'll be there next week uh next week next week what next year again what am i missing man next week is actually um sweden
0: 3d printing meetup will you be going there uh no i don't think so um i would love to go and i so the last two years they've flown me over the event has flown me over paid for the trip um i think they wanted to do this again this year but uh just last year i've, I've been burned i just did too mm. much traveling where it was one event every month i've, I've talked about this before yeah uh, i think i'm gonna skip sweden this year even though like it's it's turning to it's turning out to be quite the, the big event uh so gina's there um scott from is mm. gonna be there uh, e3d are there of course simon rc live on joel yeah it's gonna be there
1: joel is gonna be there yeah uh, sorry not joel no. joel
0: joe uh yeah I'm, should you make your noob
1: yeah i'm always mixing right. that up uh yeah I, I also thought about going there but uh, i've been so busy for the last weeks and um yeah. i need to get some rest on one hand and also uh like create a bit more content um compared yeah. to the like weeks and months before so
0: if, if anything, I think it would need to be a, a quick day trip. Uh, just fly up in the morning, fly back at night and just do one day and not like an entire weekend yeah. and don't well, shoot anything while, yeah. while you're there. Well, I actually thought about like going two, three days earlier
1: visiting uh, Copenhagen and then mm. just oh, taking nice. the train to that Swedish city. I just don't remember the name <laughs> anymore because what that's just that? like a, an hour uh, drive there. Uh, but yeah, I I will have I will be on Easter holiday for the next two weeks, but it's just too stressful at the moment. Yeah, need to get um, some rest.
0: Yeah, Cop- Copenhagen is nice. Um, the first time I was at, at Sweden meetup, I uh, well together with uh, Simone Simone Fontana, hmm. uh, we took a, a walk through the city before the the flight left uh, later that day. It was it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, You've- so.
1: You have been shopping for some yes. <laughs> nice uh, live streaming gadgets recently.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Decklink Quad HDMI Recorder. <laughs> it seems like a, a pretty over the top and pretty crazy card because it's a five hundred euro capture card. But 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 it does four inputs in one card. Exactly, and they're four K sixty. <laughs> um, or 4k 30 at 12 bit color, which is, which is insane. Um, so I, I, so I started out with like cheap Avermedia USB cards and those were just crap because it never worked reliably. I moved up to uh Brio webcams plus black magic intensity pro 4k capture cards, which are one input per card. And they're, I think 150 bucks or something per piece. And those worked well. The webcams didn't, um, Ah, you've got the Elgato Cam link. Nice. But continue on that. Yeah. Um and just just live streaming. has always been this two-hour preparation process for me where it's like, okay, you get the mic working, you get the cameras working. Oh now, this camera isn't working. Ah, let's get YouTube chat, let's get Streamlabs, let's get the stream hosted, let's get... you know, until everything mm-hmm. was working it was such an ordeal to do it. And then mm-hmm. even during the stream, it's you know, webcams were cut out or um, You know, some of the, the capture cards, well, the, the Black Magic cards have always been have always been fine, but like the USB capture cards will crap out and it was just never an enjoyable experience for me. And my gear selection is always about removing frictions. That's why I have the GH5s. They're just so effortless to use. That's why I, I use the USB mics here and, and all, you know, pretty much everything is, is built so I can, I don't have to worry about the gear. And mm-hmm. that is just another step. because
1: you're you're doing your show alone uh and this is something really remarkable you were show you're like doing a a great live show you're well entertaining people you're building stuff you're taking a look at at comments and things like that that's 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 stressful so you need to have your setup working perfectly well because for example last or a week ago when i did a live stream uh, my second camera wasn't working and this was horrible and well you can't do
0: anything about that so yeah.
1: we had to continue and uh, that was really <laughs> I, upsetting I, I, I was there yeah
0: it's like oh well part of our gear isn't working and the only way i could fix it is by you know stopping the stream and, and doing something else and that's yeah. that's just not a good option so that w- that's the reason why i bought another
1: of these elgato stream link uh cam link um, sticks right. because the other one was working well i had been using before because i was cheap a hdmi switcher but that <laughs> that's, that's rough tough. uh because that's always giving you like uh, a second of black screen in between yeah. cameras it it was working okay um and one of these sticks right here is 130 bucks so they are pretty expensive
0: but they're, they're 4k right so uh,
1: this one is for 4k uh, the other one the old one i have is just the normal full hd one but yeah. like but one and a half years uh, one and a half years ago it still was the 130 bucks uh purchase
0: yeah but the thing is with with video or, or any professional gear right it's if it's if it's costing you more money to have the shitty version of stuff if it you know if it ruins a live stream if it ruins a camera mm-hmm. if it you know, takes you two hours to set up every time. It mm-hmm. is very easily worth the extra but, uh, the extra cash to spend. Yeah, buy cheap,
1: buy twice. And well, yeah, exactly. your card was five hundred bucks. That's four of
0: these, so it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And it it does it does four K sixty. I think the Kamla only does four K thirty. I'm not planning on on streaming in four K sixty yet because I don't have enough four K sixty cameras. I'm running uh, two GH fives and did my two old g7s which are still great cameras but those only do 4k 30 well 4k 25 technically but there's a there's a firmware hack you can do so they do 30. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm, yeah i'm
1: really looking forward to uh what's your next live stream because they have been professional before and uh with your four cameras now uh yeah, working it's-, it's gonna be really interesting
0: yeah, and I do have ventilation down now, so I, I don't get like from the resin fumes. I don't get my, my throat all worked up. So yeah, mm. it's it should be fun. I just now now I just need topics to stream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, don't I, I, don't you receive uh, every day like requests for
0: doing three D printer reviews? Oh yeah, for sure. But I've I've not accepted one of those in in a long long while. Um, yeah, you, your last stream has been the Artillery, well, the n n, n x one right? Yeah, the, the
1: Sidewinder Side X1. Yeah. And this is a pretty nice machine. Uh, so you have a, a Prusa Mark three, and this is a quiet printer. I did not have a really quiet printer before. Um, so the Artillery, the 3D Sidewinder X1, whatever, uh, is just such an awesome quiet machine um, mine still has like two really noisy fans in there but they fixed that on the on the release version um, they also just told me this morning that they're gonna send me the the upgrade stuff but it's it, it's a really nice machine I really enjoyed using it over the last uh, like one and a half weeks it was working nice the print quality is awesome um, with the volcano hot end I have been printing some pretty big prints in no time. Right. Um this thing can easily do like eighty millimeters a second.
0: Yeah. And so this a... is probably the thing I'll I'll be using it for. Right. So high volume, high speed printing. Right. Exactly. So it's a it's basically a or ten ish machine. Yes. Right. Okay.
1: So 300 by 300 by 400 build volume, um, the exactly integrated the electronics thing. are pretty nice because you don't have all the wiring stangling around the um, flat flex cables that they are using for connecting the print heads to everything. If, if you plug it in incorrectly, they actually work, right? <laughs> they actually work. <laughs> but uh, But it's a pretty nice solution because before you always had all of the wires going, well, somewhere yep. around and it was just it wasn't a nice solution um it's interesting that not really that many printers uh use the solution because my old mendel 90 which is four or five yeah. years old um it was already
0: using like ribbon cable do you say ribbon cables uh, uh ribbon cables are like the the ide cables with yeah, individual IDE, conductors. yeah exactly with- so it, yeah. it
1: mine, mine is using a ribbon cable my Mendel 90 for yeah. connecting the print head and um, some other things and this is just a nice and neat solution
0: um, yeah. uh, and the, the so I don't know if they're actually made to be constantly moved I'm, I'm sure there's like some version of, of the ribbon cable that, that is work or where is designed for that but the flat flex stuff um, which is basically a PEI or a captain sheet mm-hmm. with the traces on top that that's what's used in 2D printers Everywhere, yep. right? So that that goes to the Scanner, yeah. T- well, tool head, print head. Print <laughs> head, head. It's, it's <laughs> technically a tool head, right? Um, it's the same stuff that, that's being used there and that works mm. extremely well there. It's just you need you need PCBs at the end and start of them. Mm. So you have like on your X end, you have an extra PCB that, that connects to wherever the rest mm. of the wire goes. It's just extra parts, mm. right? You can't go straight down to the electronics box like Prusa does or many others. Yep. Um,
1: yeah, but still you have like one ribbon cable for the X axis and then one is, well, interfacing at the, um, well, more or less for the Z axis that you get all of the connection through there. Um, yeah, it's a really nice machine. I really enjoy using it. The only thing which is still bothering me is I can't really make up my mind if I'm happy with the mains power heat bed. Why not? It... it still scares me because a... um in my opinion the wiring is not perfect so strain
0: relief is missing at the print bed and it just scares me a little okay so you, if if anything goes wrong you don't just end up with a with a burning 12 volt wire you actually end up with a live frame or with 230 volts yeah well the the frame is grounded so that shouldn't be an issue but uh,
1: i don't know if your heat bed is not working you're fiddling around back there and just uh, like get full mains power um, on your body that's probably something which is not
0: that healthy and um, pleasant it's it's pretty painful too yeah i was was gonna say (laughs) Um. Yeah. And and you've ha- is is that tying into your silicone casting projects at all? Is that what you've been using for for those? uh
1: actually, not so. Um, I you've, have been. T- well, let's start with a silicone casting. What I'm mean yeah, you've just casting. got that in, in yeah. the notes for the show. <laughs> I, anyway, I just I, put, I kept I, I just, just like, put silicone <laughs> casting into the show notes that this is something I'm I'm currently. Yeah working with uh i don't know if you have been using those silicone socks over your hot ends in any of your printers
0: uh have i i have them but
1: i, I think <laughs> so i i cr- actually created a tweet like a, a week ago or something like that where another one of these silicone socks uh it just got ripped from the print head halfway and then all of the molten material got squished back there oh, yeah, and I saw that. um they are really nice. they keep your hot and um clean they help with temperature constants cons- consistency whatever um yeah. but if they fail, they can fail pretty badly uh whatever um I actually like to use them, especially on on my bigger hotends and things like these.
0: Which ones ones do you have? Do you have like the old style that go all the way down to the nozzle tip? Or do you have the new ones? I started with
1: the old one, but um, currently I'm just using the um, Nut Pro versions. So where the whole nozzle is pointing out of there. Okay. Um, So I have been talking with uh, Sanjay from E3D about uh, these hotend socks and how his head, uh, he just was like fed up with managing and not doing engineering work and he just at some uh some afternoon said that uh, well he 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 started uh, having the idea of this hot end sock and th- the cat for the mold and everything and uh it was working uh, out pretty good for him because like in the first weekend when they released the hot end sock Everything was sold out in like minutes. <laughs> um, so, this was pretty interesting. And uh, if it wasn't for hot end socks, I actually might not be here because um, talking about the hot end sock uh, and adding it on the Prusa Mark II was the first video I made uh, on YouTube just like two mm. and a half years ago. I and don't know that. this video was working, was doing pretty well. So, I did not have any, any subscribers at that point and this was the first video i made and i got like 200 views in the first night which was great yeah and no that, was that was motivating myself um especially because the next two videos really flopped nobody was really interested <laughs> in them and if my first video would have gone that badly as the other ones i probably would not have continued making youtube videos so uh thanks to silicone socks i'm right here now um and i have been thinking about for quite a while of casting my own silicone socks at home um there yeah you you can buy silicone socks for most of the hot ends at that point but i just wanted to get in like casting with silicone making some some molds for them just seeing how it works and
0: um, just getting the workflow right and wait a second so you're not just doing like your silicone molds uh for for well, casting stuff or, or doing pours exactly you're, you're actually pouring the silicone itself so you actually you know you have that that extra step that extra yeah. hurdle you're always jumping through yeah i'm i'm actually
1: using the silicone for well, the silicone is my final product. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not using the silicone to cast something else in there later. Um, so, everyone, everybody who is currently watching and not just um, listening to the podcast, this is a three part mold mold uh, which has the shape of the the hot heat heat block, hot end heat block, head whatever. Head block, yeah. <laughs> um, then has a uh, just a thin slit around it that you get like at the moment a one millimeter hot end sock. You put it together. You just um, well, uh, kind of um, clamp it together vi- with how do you say um, screw clamps? Or, yeah. Two clamps. <laughs> um, and ye- I-, I take two part um, silicone, just mix it together, and use a syringe and fill everything up. And already the first cast. Looked pretty nice. The color is horrible. <laughs> uh, you still need to get wasn't, some, wasn't some that, uh, dyes to uh, just like get it to another color. did the it, original t- socks look like
0: exactly that color too? Uh, I, I feel like I'm remembering something there. Yeah. It could
1: be the case.
0: Um, and the only really high
1: temp silicone I found so far has this nice red skin tone color it's, which is the color you actually
0: you know from uh potted thermistors back when thermistors yes. were still being glued into heater blocks yeah. that was i think the same yeah. stuff so
1: i use like two-part silicone um which is pretty expensive because you pay like 30 bucks for 500 grams or something like that yeah um, but it is capable of withstanding 450 degrees celsius Probably not permanently. That might be like a secret rating <laughs> <laughs> We'll I see. Yeah. Uh, so when I first installed it today, it was like um, fuming a little, but I guess this was probably oh, the mold release I, I had yeah. been using. Uh, we'll see how they turn out. It is something really interesting because uh, I have never been doing like real mold design before. And with like silicone molds, it's really interesting because you can have undercuts and uh, you don't need to have um, draw angles and things like these. You get a lot more freedom than if you're actually casting a rigid material. No. So yeah, I'm just playing around with it a little bit. I don't know if there's going to be a video on that, but um, this is something I was interested in. And maybe there are some applications where this would be really interesting if you have like... Yeah, some high temperature application which you want to shield or something like that. It's pretty cool. I really enjoyed doing it and um, like it's just simply mixing. It doesn't smell. um, It it wasn't really nasty when I was working with it uh, in comparison to like two-part epoxy, which is nasty. Um, The material is cured after two hours. You get it out of the mold and then
0: you can cast a new one. Yeah,
1: Yeah, pretty nice workflow.
0: And silicone, is, as far as I know, isn't as, so the, the raw stuff even isn't as toxic or harmful as, you know, say a, uh, an SLA resin. Um, yeah. there, there are a few different types of silicone that, what is it, uh, platinum, finitzant, I'm, I'm missing the technical terminology for this stuff because I've never done it. Yeah. Um, there are a few different types that are more or less okay for skin contact, yeah. but in, in general, they're, yeah. they're all right. And that w- was really, well, I thought I really need
1: um, some kind of a mold release um, that the silicone just doesn't stick to everything and I don't get it off uh, the, the mold anymore. Okay. Um, just like the normal silicone you use in your bath, which yeah. you never get off any <laughs> tiles it's anymore. It's made to stick, right? <laughs> um, but that's probably what it's designed for. Um, the casting silicone releases from everything even though i i haven't sprayed it with mold release before um and it's it's easy to work with
0: um and i um, I was gonna i was gonna say it it would be nice to see some like not dual extruded but you know you print some parts you lay them into your mold you mm -hmm. you close another mold around them and then you pour the silicone over molding yeah no exactly exactly um so, but with the with a non-stick casting silicone, it would probably not be the, the best stuff for that. Maybe just using the, the regular cartridge silicone for mm-hmm. that. No. I thought about that. That could um, be interesting. This might be something interesting, yeah.
1: But I don't, yeah, I would have to try if mold release is enough to not get it to stick probably. to the surfaces where you want to release it. And the really interesting thing about casting silicone is that um, you get a perfect imprint of uh, the surface it was touching it is super high detail super high detail so uh, well i even know it from like professional applications where you have some really really fine structures on parts that you want to for example take a look at under a um, a scanning electron microscope sem sem you take a silicon cast then sputter it with gold and then you can take a look at every last detail um of the part you was actually you've actually
0: been like um yeah casting the silicone on yeah so that is nice um and he said 30 bucks per pound of of 30 bucks
1: per pound yeah it's it's cheaper if you're getting it in bigger quantities but this is the stuff i found um I was at first thinking about using like high temperature silicone that you use to um, like glue your crank or seal your gr- crank case in in a car oh, yeah. or a motorcycle. Oh, I have a tube of that. They are actually only
0: good to like 250, 300 degrees Celsius. And the, they're they're one part uh, silicones too, yep. right? They're not a, exactly. a two part that you mix up. Yeah. And
1: um, so the. I think the one part silicone that needs to be in kind of contact with oxygen or moisture or something like that, that it starts curing. Yeah. Um, The two part is nice because um, you can just put it in, well, anywhere and it will still cure.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, (laughs) sorry. Um, That's, that's the point of the two part, right? Yeah um yeah i mean so you're just casting like super tiny parts that how how heavy are those a gram or two
1: maybe uh it's three grams so i always just like mixed up 10 grams of the resin but that's that's plenty
0: you're wasting more than you're using essentially for for mixing up um where we're we're always kind of cringes uh when when people just have like a they they want to take a mold off of something and they have this huge box where they're just pouring like (laughs) Three kilograms worth of worth of uh silicone. <laughs> of, you just poured two hundred bucks of silicone and they're like, oh <laughs> yeah. Uh that 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 gets rough, but no. I mean for for your small scale stuff. The price really isn't that much of an issue, right? No, it's
1: it's definitely not. And it was like a, a, a totally uh how do you say a totally satisfying process. I have never oh, yeah. been casting with uh, silicone before. Um but I'm really thinking about like Casting other things. A banana
0: or something. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah.
0: cast, cast your banana. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. Should, should we move on from this onto the, the news?
1: Uh, well, this was... Pro- <laughs> I, I think this sounded uh, not the way I, I wanted it to sound. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's a
0: thing people Can, do, right? Yeah, well, pe- people... People do a thing. especially <laughs> with with silicone casting. I mean, you, yeah. you get the right texture too. Ah, uh,
1: yes. Um, World f- of
0: Tanks. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that that's something that uh yeah when World of Tanks aren't there. Uh we stop laughing because this is not a this is not a fun topic anymore. Oh. Um, World of Tanks issued a DMCA takedown on Thingiverse not just on, mo- on models that they thought were kind of an infringement on their copyrighted models they have from the game. I mean, World of Tanks is a, is a free-to-play online World War II-themed, I think, tank game where you shoot other tanks. Um, so it, it would be legit if people were just ripping files from the game and re-uploading it as an STL. Um Somewhat, because I mean, uh, yeah, that there's that artistic value of okay that they actually model it and then people just rip that. But if it's just another someone else modeling the same tank, like dude, it's a it's an eighty year old design and yeah. But anyways, what uh, World of Tanks did was they issued a DMCA takedown, which is a US process um, for US services where copyright holders can go in and, and basically file a notice of going, hey, um, this thing you're sharing on your website, by the way, this infringes on my copyright, please take it down. It's like that last step before, please take it down or I'm gonna sue you. So websites typically have that process in place, Um, YouTube has that process in place as well for videos. And what World of Tanks did was they filed a DMCA takedown, not just for a model, for a set of models or for like a specific thing, they actually filed the entire search for the term World of Tanks on Thingiverse. And for some crazy reason, well, it's not that crazy. If you think about who runs Thingiverse, it's MakerBot. Um, They just complied. They took down every single model that that surge hit. And Fabaloo actually did a a pretty good article and a pretty good breakdown of what was going on there. Um, And they talked to some of the designers whose stuff was taken down. And it's, yeah, sure. I mean, some tanks got taken down. That's... uh, that's the nature of searching for World of Tanks, but you know, not a model of a three of a tank. Um, that's like a truck and trailer kind of thing, uh, some chain-driven carts, an airplane, uh, a car. Just because, I mean, just because you have the term World of Tank, find that model doesn't even mean that it's literally saying World of Tanks. It's just, hey, this could be a tank buster used in World War Two yeah there you go there's your world of tanks hit so who? i mean it's a rough one on both sides right it's a rough one on on world of tanks just filing that that blanket takedown notice on everything without considering uh, what that might hit and then thingiverse just complying and going hey we're, we're deleting all that are
1: they abusing their their power and just saying okay this is the first step if you're not Doing that, we need to take like really legal steps there.
0: Yeah. So the the fun thing here here let me open this. Um, Fabaloo published the the letter that um, yeah that that MakerBot got or Thingiverse got. Um, and the thing is, uh, l- let me just read this out. So this is what Fabaloo wrote. Dear sir or madam, I, the underside, represent that the information in this notification is accurate and certify under penalty of perjury that I am the owner or an agent authorized to act on behalf of the owner of the models or the the, um, infringing issues below. So basically, they are saying, okay, I guarantee, I'm not sure if under oath is like the equivalent, but basically, they have committed a felony by by submitting this this takedown notice now, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes after this. I don't know if if like again felony if, if that is the legally correct term, um, but yeah, they were not in the right to to file this claim, mm-hmm. and especially not on this broad of, of scope. So yeah. yes, it is it is for sure abuse of the DMCA uh, system, and well. You probably have to say that there were some ripped files
1: on Thingiverse, but probably only 10% oh, of the ones that were taken down in the end. And I this bet. is something pretty bad. I, Well, we have been talking about that briefly before. Um, we both don't know if there has been a response by like World of Tanks or Wargaming or however that company is called. Um, or if there's ever going to be one, but still these models are down. Um People have been spending hours and days, sometimes uh, modeling that stuff, and um, I don't know if they will be re-uploading their models now at yeah. that point because they're probably scared of really being like taken to court, even though, even though it's it's uh, it's their own uh, creation.
0: Yeah. Well, again, the the way I understand it is the DMCA takedown is basically a a way of of avoiding that. Hey, I'm going to take it to court um it's a, it's a softer version of that though i don't i don't know if u.s copyright stuff um is rough again we're, we're going to talk about german copyright or european copyright in a second um i th- i believe uh the copyright owner could still take any infringer to court mm-hmm. um but then they 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 shouldn't file the dmca take them before but again i'm that's u.s law and i'm not very familiar with that no um but yeah so ripped files yes what could also be an issue um is the the trademark world of tanks Mm. though that is not that is not a copyright thing right that is trademark law um or the actual world of tanks logo if that's been used anyway because Mm. i I believe that runs under copyright um if that is actually being incorporated into designs or just that the logo being shown then that is a copyright infringement of that logo artwork Mm. But, uh, yeah, um, most, I mean, the thing is DMCA takedowns, um, that are being filed too broadly or, you know, models that the claimant does not own, does not actually own copyright on that's, that's not like out of the ordinary. Um, that happens very regularly, but the fact that that Thingiverse is just complying like that and just kind of like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess we'll take these down. Sure. They are, I guess by the process they are obliged to, to comply, but they, they could at least have pushed back and said, hey, by the way, no, no, <laughs> this search is too broad. Mm-hmm. They, they could have at least looked at that. So,
1: yeah. But I guess the, the thing <sighs> is what I'm wondering since ages, uh, Thingiverse is, is run by MakerBot and they don't really have a big business model behind Thingiverse. So uh, the question is if they... Are really interested in well spending like time and money on on lawyers and things like that um, to like respond
0: to that accuse. That's true, and on because their they, side, they they
1: don't run ads on Thingiverse. Um, they use it as makerbot marketing. Yeah, but is makerbot still like a brand which is well known under? The people who regularly use Thingiverse, or so
0: I, I just turned off my. Uh, my I actually I to actually don't
1: really know anybody who has a MakerBot, is using a MakerBot.
0: Yeah, the, the first thing I'm seeing here is MakerBot for students. Um, I guess that is that is something that MakerBot is pushing into. Click now to see the full course curriculum, and of course that is built around MakerBot printers. Okay. Um, and I guess that intersects with people uploading and downloading from... And it's a it's a way for make to stay relevant, right? Yeah, definitely. How so about?
1: Thingiverse is a great place. Um, I still kind of use it every day and you find almost anything on there, even for your IKEA furniture repairs or yeah. whatever. There's yeah. always somebody who has already been doing it and had, has been uploading it on Thingiverse. Um, and I'm really happy Plus, for that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much... Uh, how many usage rights MakerBot makes you give them by uploading to Thingiverse because some platforms are like, hey, by the way, if you upload here, we can use all your stuff in our marketing uh, indefinitely without license fees. I don't know if, if that is something that Thingiverse is doing. I think there was some discussion about it, but I'm not sure. We'd, I'd have to look that up. Um, so that might be another way where MakerBot kind mm-hmm. of profits off of Thingiverse. Yeah. but. You're actually
1: not using Thingiverse for sharing your designs, don't you? Uh,
0: I don't care about copyright on my designs that much. So I just share them wherever people can find them. So I always upload to Thingiverse and you. Okay. So um, typically I upload with like a super liberal CC license. And honestly, I don't make money off of my designs. Um, So whatever. If people use them and, and don't give credit, or if people use them for marketing, like, come on. My stuff isn't
1: that valuable. <laughs> well, it's the same for me. I just have been... Uh, what what did I re- release once? Uh, I think a, a filament dust filter for also the Prusa, where yeah. I deliberately put my logo on... The part, and then the first like in the first couple of days there had been a couple of uh, remixes just <laughs> deleting <Logo-less>. the logo <laughs> and i said okay guys yeah i know it's uh it's you, yeah you can do that but no it doesn't make me that happy <laughs> but yeah th- that's the thing i'm i'm also happy to share my things there um i'm yeah. uh currently also starting to upload some of the files to my mini factory because as i said i don't really know what the business model behind thingiverse is and my mini factory gives me like a second platform to upload more like how do you say like uh, professionally made designs and they have this checking process in the background um right. that you don't uh, just upload crap all yep. of the time um and that's something which I really enjoy. There is also the possibility for monetization of designs, which I'm not using right now, but I don't know. It, it just would give me the possibility to yeah. to do things like these in the future.
0: Do you know how that works on, on my manufacturing? <clears throat> Are they just charging the artists to put, put their designs up? That's that's what I've heard so far, but I've not actually, I've not used them. So They have quite a big marketplace now for models. And well,
1: also like... Uh, really nice models and figurines and um if you're into that well if i would be into that i would probably be happily paying um, a couple of bucks if i get a really nice figurine for a dungeon of dungeon and dragons or i don't know uh any other games and i I think there is a market there for that for these professionally made parts that are 3d printable so uh yeah why not why not upload your designs there as well?
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Um, let's move on f- to a quick one from the from the Thingiverse and the MCA copyright takedown to another copyright issue. Um, we've been, or I've been kind of reporting on, on this uh, every now and then in the last few episodes, um, and that is the European copyright reform. It is now through, it is now done, it is irrevocably been. Put on its way, uh I think yesterday or the day before yesterday, the agricultural ministers voted on it one last time and they they voted through. Even though I think Sweden changed its vote, um, they they took theirs back and then said, no, we don't want this. And a few other countries withheld their vote, but in the end, it was still enough to pass it or to pass that bill. So, yeah, that is coming. That's going to be implemented within the next two years in uh well in, in german law and in each country's in each european country's law so we're gonna see how crazy it actually gets but i guess one one positive takeaway from this is um i mean i've, I've been to munich I've, I've been to i've been at the protests and the article 13 of the copyright reform demos and also demonstrations i don't know how common demo is is in english but um that and also the entire friday for future movement it's it is great seeing that young young people care about politics and care about uh, the issues that are going to be shaping uh, that are going to be shaping their lives in the future. Um, even though we don't always get the results we want right away, mm-hmm. um, at least like the next generation cares about stuff, and that I, I think that is that is really that is great to see. Mm-hmm. And my, my hat my hat is off to all the, the students that um, are protesting each and every Friday <laughs> skipping for the future. Oh, skipping school, yeah, I guess they, they do have a bit of a benefit. But, its I mean, <laughs> how else would they get heard, right? Yeah, definitely. And it, it, that
1: also brings up lots of discussions if this is okay that, well, like students are skipping school. Um, but it is most it's it's accepted. I think in in most of the places. I don't know if they they ground um, the students who are going there, and they're probably there is there are some who are just skipping school uh, because yeah, because they can and they True. have like a um, how you say ausrede uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah yeah. Uh,
0: yeah yeah. So they have, have yeah to. like
1: except. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i i know i know the I, i'm you missing the words uh, yes, yeah uh, but i think it's also it's, it's it's shaping it's shaping the youth um they're getting away from their ipads and phones and pokemon go and Fortnite and going out on the street and um thinking about their future and i think that's something
0: really cool yeah, they they they're speaking up for something good, yeah. right? It's not just hey, we're protesting because Fortnite added didn't add this dance or <laughs> no. It's it's actually it's it's something that is that is valuable. So yeah, the, the, there's always going to be yeah. um people who just you know run around uh, run along for the fun or for you know just being there. But yeah, um, but the, that's that's one side. But also, you know, on the protests, there were so many. So many people that that weren't even at the at the age to vote yet mm. um there were literally students talking about hey you know i'm i'm gonna do my Abitur next year so that puts them at the age of like sixteen or something um and that's that's just I, I think that's just great to see yeah
1: maybe it's changing something um yeah as as you just said um the le legisla- or the uh article thirteen still needs to get into like a german legislation it's yeah uh, a is it a Richtlinie? Or
0: a, or uh, is a... There is some, some yeah. real legalese term for it. Um, but yeah, basically, so what's been signed into European law or whatever is is basically this, this, this and this will need to be reflected in your local, in, in your mm. German law within the next two years. Yeah. So again, we're going to see where that takes us. Our German government has actually been against or have stated that they were against... Um, the stuff that is coming with this reform but in the end they still voted for it so go figure <laughs> great job mr Foss. yeah well <laughs> I, I i almost feel like he's kind of a scapegoat he's like the guy who who they're, they're burning down now so that all the other i almost used a, a bad word there <laughs> that all the other politicians that, no. that that are actually running this thing in the background don't get the flag but, okay yeah We'll see. That's something that's coming within the next two years, and we're going to see how bad it is. And, you know, courts, like we said last time, courts are going to decide how much of an impact this actually has. Yes. But what we actually have right now is some filmmaker news. Um, I I, I feel like we're talking a lot about filmmaking stuff today, but this is a big one for us. And Stefan, you've you've, you've, (laughs) actually, you've been swayed now. I've been swayed by you, yeah. Video editing. Uh, we both edit in Adobe Premiere Pro right now. We both have the Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. I'm—I've been trying to get away from it um, because it's just thirty-five bucks for new customers. But if you're already in, you're paying the full sixty bucks because screw you. Um, it's been buggy. It's been crashy. It—it uh, it was just not a good experience. So I've been—I've been learning Resolve, DaVinci Resolve, Blackmagic DaVinci Resolve, um, which is a free editor. And if you are thinking about starting a YouTube channel or doing anything with video editing, try Resolve. It is extremely powerful and it's free for the most part. There's a there's like a 300 buck paid version that gives you some more advanced features, but the free version does pretty much everything and it's built from the ground up. Mm. It's it's like a fresh start pretty much. Though we I I have like been using Adobe, Adobe Premiere <laughs> yeah.
1: like for 15 years and the look didn't really change that much. So there is lots of clutter still in the background, which is uh, sometimes keeping me from a really efficient workflow. And like it's, it's 89 like 89% of the functionality you're okay. getting there, I, I'm not using those. And sometimes for just the most simple thing, text tracking, doing proper titles, oh, yeah. you got to
0: go After into effect. After Effects. <laughs> which you don't get if you just have the single program subscription you need <laughs> to get the 60 buck uh, subscription after effects is a totally different f- application like it's, Beast. it's importing I, mm. it's different to use so resolve also uh, includes after effects basically or their equivalent yeah. uh, so that is really nice the one thing that i've been um that i've been missing from resolve 15 was adjustment layers um, the way i edit is i have my video tracks um with no color correction or technically color correction on them, where it's, you know, one thing needs to be a bit brighter, a bit darker. Uh, Then I have an adjustment layer on top of that. So that is the look that turns my camera look into something that actually looks decent. And then I have graphics on top of that. And with Resolve, you could add a look or a LUT um, to an entire timeline. But then, of course, graphics and screen cap stuff would also get color corrected. Or you would have to group uh, individual clips. And that was kind of messy, now with adjustment layers, it's the same workflow. So that very much suits me. And one other y- you're not doing any of that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I am But yeah.
1: I need to be um, efficient. I don't have time for color correction.
0: Well for me it's 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 just one last pass, just checking that all the warp yeah. stabilizers have run through and that like all the clips are correct. And and by by running that last check through my timeline, I also add color correction. Yeah um and yeah one one thing where i feel like uh black magic is just flexing on adobe just going kind of like hey by the way <laughs> we got this too is adobe introduced into after effects the content context content aware fill where with photoshop mm-hmm. um if for example you had like a glass of water and you shot and you didn't want it in there you just select that and go remove this please and it would take stitches from the background and fill that in um, and kind of create a, a smooth uh, fill all there. Um, After Effects just introduced that for video as well, so even on moving shots you could track a vehicle and just remove it and it would use information from previous and po- future frames. Um, and a week later, uh, Blackmagic Releases resolve 16 and they're like, hey, by the way, you know, we we have content aware of 2 and ours is faster and has better tracking than Adobe's <laughs> and yeah it, This so this this version is the one that I'm actually gonna gonna start moving to resolve I'm gonna start using Premiere Pro lists and move my video production workflow to resolve
1: Have you Just- already been uploading a video? Um, created in resolve
0: Technically, yes. The uh, the, the quick 10-second intro to my make Munich coverage that was done in Resolve. Ah, okay. So both color and and editing was done in Resolve, just to, to try it out, um, but not full videos yet. Okay.
1: Now I'm really looking forward to also just play around with it a little bit, and it's uh, free. It's free.
0: <laughs> uh, th- so the, the the way i see it because if i'm if i'm gonna i, I would probably get the studio version which is the bigger one um, because it has noise reduction and it has like a few more things so noise reduction is really good in Resolve because mm-hmm. it's fast um if you buy a black magic pocket cinema camera 4k aka the bmp Worked <laughs> that thing if you buy that, it's a 1300 euro camera, it does 4K 60. It's basically a Panasonic GH5S. Uh, you get a free version of, of uh, Resolve Studio, so it's like, hey, by the way, you buy this thing for 1300 bucks, which is as much as Adobe costs in a year, and you get a free camera with it. <laughs> That's the way I see it. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, it's also to be interesting for both of us because well when we are editing the podcast we have like a shared online folder where we put all our stuff in and we need to use
0: like the same editor otherwise it's not working yeah um so resolve actually has so i think adobe with some work group license also has some sort of collaborative editing but with with resolve you can also collaboratively edit the same project at the same time you can literally have two different people working on the same project <laughs> simultaneously um it's all based on on databases and and you know it's a bit more complex to, to set it up uh, if you want to do that collaborative stuff but yeah it 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 actually does more than adobe now it's it's crazy
1: all right maybe enough for filmmaking conversations <laughs> I'm, today
0: I'm, I'm just i'm just <laughs> excited about this stuff right because We're already quite far into the time, but there is one
1: last thing we still have on our, well, news section, which is that the MakerBot Method got a Red Dots Design Award. Uh, MakerBot Method, we have already been talking about that a couple of episodes before. This is uh, like MakerBot's new high-speed 3D printer...
0: World's first performance 3D printer or
1: something along those lines. Some something like that, which nah, it looks okay,
0: but uh it got a Red <laughs> Dot cool. Design Award. Yeah, winner in industrial design, 2019. <sighs> uh, I guess mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I mean, guys, look at it. Like it's a it's a black bulky box. <sighs> Design would be a bit of an of, a, of an overstatement for what this thing is. I don't know.
1: I don't really know if I would prefer showing of one of these maker bot method thingies uh, somewhere or an Ultimaker. Uh, so we have Ultimakers at work. And one of the reasons is that they just look nice if like people are getting into our laboratory Uh you kind of see this almost Apple look like uh, machines in the corner working there. Um, yeah. They the MakerBot like this... method printers they have yeah a really industrial design. Mm. Don't know they
0: have an industrial look to them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a, a brutalist design yeah. almost. It's like here, column. There we go. So the MakerBot method is now the world's first award-winning performance three <laughs> D <3D> printer. <laughs> I guess. Uh, okay. It's pretty good for promotion. Yeah. Yeah. OK.
1: Yeah, whatever.
0: Uh, Topic of the week, shall we?
1: Yeah, how much material tuning do we do? Uh, you have been putting it in there uh, just before we started. Is there a specific reason? Or okay. did you get a question why you wanted to talk about that?
0: No, no, it's just it's a recurring question. Um, and we've been before we started recording here. We just went back and forth a bit, like, hey, yeah, um, it is a recurring question. People do ask for material profiles. Um, it is something I got asked on the Halloween series a lot. Like, how much tuning do you get? Uh, do you, do you do how much? Um, well, can you share your profiles? All that. And okay, Stefan, how much how much tuning do you actually do with? Let's say if you try out a new PLA uh none
1: most of the time (laughs) same (laughs) so if i'm not really working with any real like totally exotic material i just go through the slick 3r uh profiles uh, material profiles and i pick the one which is probably closest generic pla generic pet generic abs yeah Uh, and i use that uh i take a look at the extrusion multiplier i usually uh, take a look at the recommended printing temperatures and go more on the high side just for the sake of layer adhesion and this is pretty much everything i do as as as, uh, interesting as it sounds (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if the reason is that I just don't have enough time to do like proper tuning, or I don't know. Tuning profiles is has become kind of a religion.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. Here's the thing with PLA is especially with today's selection of PLA. I think it was different two or three years ago. Even um, with today's PLA, they are so similar. They're pretty much all using the same forty forty three D or whichever NatureWorks resin is being used. Um, maybe they're, they're they're using a bit different resin, but in the end, they're all going to be printing with pretty much the same settings. Um, Fabadash, I believe Fa3 was one of the last, like, low-temperature PLAs. Um, it was, like, big on the market where you would actually print it with 180 or 185 degrees instead of the 210 or 215 that's typically used today. Um, but they're not really that relevant anymore uh and most PLA's are just the standard hey you set it to 210 or 215 and it just goes mm. plus default profiles in slicers and in slicer have become so good these days mm. uh, with you know if you look at the the, the the Prusa profiles that are being used for the Prusa machines they're they're already factory tuned and typically they don't just work for the Prusa machines they work for pretty much all other printers mm. as well so that's, yeah, that's, that's for PLAs. Now, how much, let me ask you again, how much tuning do you do for specialty materials? Say a fiber-filled nylon or a, uh, I don't know, have you, have you tried the, is it ColorFab the expanding stuff? Uh, actually, I haven't tried it
1: yet myself. I don't have a sample or something like that, but um filament directory, I think they're called. Uh, they're gonna send me a couple of printed parts for me to test out. But oh, nice. this is, I think this is a really exotic material because with the temperatures you like, True. adjust the amount of foaming you get in the material. Yep. Um, for other more exotic filaments, I kind of run a tuning procedure. I just did that at the weekend for a material which in the end just didn't work out for me at all Uh, but what I usually do is I check the extrusion multiplier but by just uh, extruding a couple of um, more or less uh, fully dense cubes that are on supports where I just see okay do I need to mm, get an extrusion multiplier which is a little bit Uh, lower or higher than the normal 100%. Um, Then I do my temperature test tower or actually Joe's 3D Maker Noob's temperature test tower where I run through the uh, temperature range, uh, take a look at uh, stringing of the material and general layer adhesion by... There are small spikes on that model by just breaking them off and see how how that goes. And also um, uh, moisture... Um, so at some temperatures, you kind of start to see bubbles on the material. This is something yeah. I check there. And then the last thing I usually do is printing another test tower with the before selected extrusion multiplier and temperature and going through the range of, um, fan settings. And then just take yeah. a look how the printing results look like with different fan settings. And also if layer adhesion changes, and this is pretty much what
0: I uh, what i do for for tuning my materials yeah and that is basically like the the entire process from not knowing nothing about a material mm. to having a fully tuned in profile mm. um i mean my my, my philween stuff was also was, was pretty much the same process print a few different models with different temperatures then print a few different extrusion multipliers all that um and the thing the thing I've, I've noticed also is that manufacturers typically give you pretty good suggestions for how to print it mm. um, maybe the extrusion multiplier yeah five percent up or down That that's something that is machine dependent and depending on, on how well your gears grip that specific material but mm. if you have a, a reasonably good or reasonably well-known manufacturer um, they are going to give you recommendations for how to get it to stick what what materials to use on your bed, whether it's glue stick or just P, plain PI or whatever. Uh they're gonna give you such suggestions for temperature, mm. print temperature, fan on, off. And that's that's pretty much all there is to it. Maybe if you have something that oozes a lot, you tune in retraction down mm. or up, up just a slight bit. But yeah, defaults are are really good these days. Yeah.
1: So there are two things to really look out for. It's one, the um, like printing quality, how the parts look. This is, in my opinion, a lot dependent on really the printer you use and speeds and retractions and things like these. And uh, what is interesting for me, since I usually do mechanical parts, um, I take a look at the strength and this is the reason why I tune um, like fan settings and um, yeah, temperatures.
0: Yeah. And it's always it's always a trade-off between temperature and layer adhesion. Where uh not not temperature quality laser laser yeah yeah. uh overhang quality as well um so it's uh, if if you test the filament you you, you always kind of have to put that into people's minds because you you are printing the material (laughs) at one setting but if you want stronger parts at the expense of a bit of print quality, you can always bump up your temperature twenty degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, your your layers are just going to bond better. The materials going to flow better. You're going to over extrude slightly, um, just naturally because there's less resistance on the on the extruder. Or you can even you can even over extrude on purpose and make your prints look a bit crappy, but you just get a mm-hmm. model that is solid. Or on the other side, um, who's who's doing that? I think Simplify 3 d has that in there where, where the default extrusion multiplier is what, 95% or 90%? And
1: 90% for all the CR10. Yeah.
0: So that is that is a, a surefire way of just getting crisp and clean prints with no blobs or no no surface imperfections, but it's just gonna be super weak because your parts are not your parts are not solid. They're not solidly fused together. And yeah, the same with temperature down. Your mm. overhangs are going to look better. Uh, your details are probably going to look better. It's, But in the end, you're going to get a weaker print. And it's mm. that trade-off you kind of have to ride. Um, also, fan setting is kind of like, you know. Mode. One one thing I can really always recommend is uh, I
1: have had so many problems with different materials just because they were, like, kind of wet or moist, even though totally new out of the package dry your filaments if you have issues with print quality layer adhesion blobbing and whatever um put the filament into a food dehydrator into your oven and something like that for a couple of hours and see if that changes um print quality and the strength of your parts and even for for simple plas this could mean the world from world sorry world from time to time yeah, so I really tend to dry before my filament tests always dry my filaments just to be sure that I'm not testing a material which is wet. and um, I even sometimes, if I know the the materials are a bit sensitive to moisture, directly print print out of my dry box because that just makes sure that they stay dry over well, the amount of time I do my tests and that I get consistent uh, test results.
0: Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of torn on that because on the one hand, you you do want to get like the best out of the material um, by by drying it and by, mm. by printing it properly, but on the other hand, most people are not going to be drying their stuff when they get it, especially now with PLAs. I mean, with uh, with a nylon, sure, yeah, um, you kind of expect it to put to to be used uh, out of a dry box, but with PLAs, I don't know. Are you doing the material or? are you doing your, your test procedure justice by, by kind of improving it on what the manufacturer is giving you? It's, I know it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a wide topic and it's the same topic as, Hey, how much should you be tuning your printer profiles for <laughs> testing printers or how much should you be modding your printer? Like no. You know, usually you get criticized when you, when you test something like uh, an ender three, Hey, Tom, you didn't do that mod or you didn't change that because that's described in this Facebook group. And like, yeah, but it's not what I got. It's a, you're turning it into a different product. So, I don't know. Um,
1: si- since since I'm usually looking for the mechanical strength of the parts, I try to make everything that it prints as good as possible. If I would just look at the printing quality, I would always go for the lowest temperatures possible, because that usually gives you the best printing results. Um that's not the thing i well i'm interested in and i usually do um i i do actually measure the amount of uh, of moisture i usually lose during
0: that procedure I, I was gonna say that 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 could be something that makes a lot of sense just to give you uh, an it, objective measurement exactly of how wet it was yeah. yeah um so for
1: example the material i was testing at the weekend um I thought it was dry because it was really like droopy and whatever, but I had it in like a 60 degree dryer for 48 hours and it was just losing like 0.2% of of, uh, weight. And the print results were totally the same afterwards. So moisture is either not a problem or I should have dried it at higher temperatures. Um, But still, um, the parts I was printing, they were just falling apart and I was really frustrated with the material. Yeah. yeah
0: some materials just aren't good uh, well <laughs> the, uh, that's d- to, to be too.
1: yeah to be um, um to be clear there this is not this was like an experimental material for somebody who rolled me who i thought it would be interesting but it just didn't work out for me at that point i i would have really liked to work with it but meh. yeah so, some some uh, resins are just not meant for 3d printing i guess
0: yeah yeah so to to conclude this topic how much material tuning do we do uh, unless it's an experimental material or something that doesn't have a profile yet not that much actually
1: yeah go with the defaults look for a material that is already in your slicer, which is pretty similar go with that tune extrusion multiplier temperatures and yeah, yeah. you're usually good to go
0: and okay one one closing thought one last because i'm, I'm just thinking of it um it is very easy to mess up a profile if you just start changing variables that you think are going to do something, uh, you're unless you know exactly how it's going to change, unless you've tried it before and can kind of predict what's going to happen, you're probably not doing the profile any favors. Yeah. Um,
1: Slick three R uh is um has been introducing something really nice there they have marked every setting with a green yellow or red dot yeah that's um, the the beta now for the beta yeah i've yeah. been working with the beta for quite a bit and i'm quite happy with it and they kind of tell you okay if this is a red marked setting only mess around with it if you're pretty sure what you're doing the green ones are totally fine uh the yellow ones yeah just pay attention to what you're doing, but the red ones really only change them uh, if, if you know what you're doing. And I think this is a really nice approach because if you take a look at, uh, well, Slick 3R, Cura, or even Simplify 3D, you have like hundreds of settings you can tune yeah. and all of them have interactions between each other. Temperature, extrusion multiplier, fan setting. Yeah, it's it's, it's huge. So just um, yeah, stick to... The defaults are usually fine and just... Um, yeah, yeah slightly tune it
0: yeah at, at least okay um so we were that this is referring to slick theory Prusa edition um yes. i don't think the standard slick theory has this yet but um yeah at least the, the defaults now are actually good um i i still remember when the defaults in uh vanilla slick theory were actually not that fantastic to use um but yeah it has improved a lot
1: in in germany or in german there's a really nice term which is called verschlimmbessern um oh yeah what would be the um um the the what would be the uh the opposite of that um improving disimproving something like disimproving or something like oh, yeah, that Yes, yeah that's probably <laughs> not a, a word that's used but you, you guys you guys get what we're trying to say here <laughs> Um, yeah. Trying to make something better and just screwing it up more and more would be the proper translation.
0: <laughs> do, do you get a. Make a- worse. Oh, yeah. Fantastic translation uh, <laughs> Thank you, Google. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, if, if you're running into. Disimprove. Disimprove. Okay. Uh, Dick,
1: dick.cc tells me to disimprove. To oh, improve right. something for the worse
0: yeah yeah um so yeah if if you're having if you're having print troubles i feel bad for you son but try the default and yeah this run is not gonna work out but okay perfect <laughs> should we uh i get. i guess one one last comment to to close this one out um from from eric Sederberg. uh i know that name i've seen that name before have we answered where do I know that name from? Eric Sitterbug. is is Patreon? Is that the guy from
1: uh, Olsen? Is
0: that, I, is that is that is that actually no? Yes, yes. We should have. Yeah, we should yeah, have it, no, no. It, have it, it, it was the one it of the Olsen guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Eric, Eric was saying um, uh, the the fire alarm and well, it wasn't the fire alarm, but the smoke and the. The sense that people were, were noticing uh, coming from the back of the of Hall One at Murph, which is like exactly where the A booth is, um, that was actually the Olsen Ruby racer um, where the ESC burnt up. So, <sighs> yeah, fun, fun stuff from from Murph. Um, and he does. He does close out his comment by saying, "I can really recommend to travel one day earlier to Murph. We did that this year, and it was just so much nicer than arriving stressed out to Murph, like we did last year, and you guys did this year. <sighs> we and that is exactly the plan for next year as well. I think definitely. And
1: well, we didn't talk about that on last uh, on the last podcast, but we almost <laughs> missed our <laughs> flight back home. So we uh, recorded uh, the podcast that in the car. <laughs> Went to um, Chicago downtown, paid 50 bucks for one hour of of parking in one of the parking garages uh, downtown Chicago. Uh, Yeah, were there for an hour, had a a hot dog, um, uh, just visited the the big shiny bean. (laughs) And then we were driving back to the airport and you kind of were totally relaxed. Uh, I think because you just uh, like mixed up a little bit that we uh, or you thought that we were an hour earlier than we really were. Yeah, but it, it we only, arrived. It only hit me once we once yeah. we got out of the rental car terminal. We arrived forty minutes before departure at the airport. And yeah, at
0: not at the gate, the... at the terminal, at check-in, yeah. uh, at baggage drop.
1: I was so relieved when they were still um, well taking our or taking our. Uh, baggage what do you say yeah Yeah. our luggage um and then um the security check wasn't a problem but we were the last guys in the airplane and oh my goodness i was so stressed out there
0: (laughs) you know i we we were talking about that but the thing is i i can't stress out about things i can't change like okay i i I was pretty relaxed until i I realized i was kind of like oh well oh shit this is huh we we are actually late yeah um i hadn't realized it until we had dropped our car off and we were walking out and, and we were like hey by the way this is in one hour and I'm like oh yeah you're right but i mean at that point like what are you gonna do like you wait for the bus you get on the bus you drop your baggage you go through security that's all stuff that you know just has a fixed time that like, you, you can't skip lanes you you, you can't yell at people to make him go faster no it's, it's stuff just takes its time and if we make it or not is out of your hands so
1: i really envy you
0: <laughs> yeah why, why stress out about it and it's it's uh you know it's 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 kind of a, a lifestyle you know it keeps you grounded, it keeps you you know not stressed out out of yeah. not stressed out about things you you're just gonna kind of have to do with and you can't change so
1: yeah you are totally right about that well we made it to the airplane um <laughs> Yeah, actually some other guys from from murph were also in the airplane uh like yeah Yeah, daniel noray was was two uh, ahead of me and also the olsen ruby guys so
0: maybe even eric possibly eric might have been there uh yeah he for sure wasn't stressed out when getting on the plane back (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right that 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 was an experience it was an experience Um,
1: um next year maybe be there at least half an hour earlier
0: yeah that, 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 that would have been nice
1: but i slept yeah. for five hours on the flight back home so
0: maybe stress yeah. was good <laughs> all right uh and i guess that concludes our episode for this time stefan again was good talking to you thanks for taking the time you're welcome was if, got good talking to you too if you guys have comments questions annotations notes stuff you want to want us to talk about suggested topics all of that good stuff leave it in the comments below on youtube or tweet at us at the melt zone we read each and every comment and each and every tweet um when we actually remember to check them but um <laughs> yeah thank you for listening thank you for watching uh subscribe find us on all the podcast ep- uh, pod catches podcast platforms if you're watching on youtube or if you're listening to this thing um Keep in mind, you can also watch this thing if you want our beautiful faces uh, in the background. It is the exact same audio track, you get the same experience no matter where, and it's always free! Yes! Support Stefan on Patreon or on my Patreon if you enjoyed this. Um, We don't have a separate Patreon for the show, but you can support us on our standard Patreon campaigns for YouTube, Uh, both Stefan and myself, we have that linked below. Thank you guys for listening or watching! Until next time. All
1: right. Bye. Goodbye.